Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Communitas Podcast, where we share stories and insights on culture, the church, and living on the missional frontier. I'm Jeff Reinhardt, President of Communitas International. Andrea Asher, Chief Mobilization Director, co-hosts. We interview guests from around the world who are striving to transform lives and communities through writing and living on mission. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Communitas Podcast. I am sitting around a kitchen table with a dear old friend, Rodney Wright. Rod, thanks for being here, buddy. It's great to be with you, Jeff. Just like old times. Just like old times. We can share a little bit of our shared history as well. Yeah, honored to be here with you guys. Right on. Um, Rod, I, I am just so excited to be talking to you, uh, especially given the journey that we've been on together, going back 20 years, man. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we served on a church staff together right. and experienced some, yeah. some massive growth in, right. in church. And I think both of us have come to some new places yeah. in, in understanding of church and community and uh, sure. an integrated whole life. Great and learning experience, like everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So give a little bit about your, your background and, and then we'll get into you know what you're passionate about today. Absolutely. Um, born in Salinas, California, raised in Modesto. Uh, <laughs> Youngest of five kids, uh, my father, Assembly God minister, growing up as a kid. Uh, yeah. My dad crossed between Billy Graham, Ronald Reagan, and 10% John Wayne, my dad. There you go. So that's just a little bit of the context of the uh, Pentecostal, evangelical uh, upbringing that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I became a minister at a young age, uh, married while I was in college, uh, served at a number of churches within a Pentecostal uh, denomination. And still serve in that denomination today um, and thankful for it. But, um, you know, I love the, I, just God continues to bring us to new places. And what does it really mean to follow Jesus? And what's the heart of the gospel? What, is it, what does it mean to, to, to live that out? Yeah. And uh, just seeing it maybe in a more global context and a more also um, historical context within the church. So I grew up where church history was about 1960s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the deep south, right? That was, uh, that was our roots of church history. Uh-huh. So just stepping back and getting a broader context of G Christ followers all throughout time. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the common things that have endured over time? And then just, you know, taking an honest look at what we might say, that's not transformative, so let's maybe move away from that and move to what is transformative. Mm. So that's that's just been a part of my whole journey and story in faith. And so, you know, I have a, a, a addiction recovery story as a kid growing up. Uh, I went to a, um, a, you know, a big school TV preacher in the 80s, yeah. you know, would fill stadiums with, you know, literally 100,000 people all over the world. In my opinion, just my opinion, um, dumb the gospel down to hell insurance. Yes. Say this prayer. Right. So you don't go to hell when you die. Meanwhile, that very TV evangelist was living in his own hell of sexual addiction. Mm. And I remember sitting next to my wife, Tracy, but my girlfriend at the time and another good friend, a guy named Dino Rizzo. And uh, he's, and this evangelist gets on stage, about 7,000 people, and says, I have sinned. And he's crying, and it's national all over the news, right? Yep. And I'm thinking, I'm 18. So have I. There's two of us. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Because here I was, a young man, yeah. not knowing how to manage my sexuality, navigating pornography, and all that that came my way. And I really thought, this guy's going to talk about it, and he's going to help the church 
learn how to integrate just a much healthier perspective on human sexuality. Yeah. Because in my opinion, this is what religion has failed at. Just we have failed miserably, in my opinion. And I'm speaking, I'm criticizing myself included. Sure. As not knowing how to integrate holistic, uh, seeing our life in a holistic way. And uh, most time when we talk about human sexuality, um, most people feel uncomfortable about it because they've only heard it in a derogatory way That's or right. an abusive way or a way that... Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily um, make us feel comfortable with language. Yeah. So a part of my journey came through a therapist uh, in my early years, uh, in my 20s, and then uh, really just navigating to say, what transformed me? Because my religion wasn't transforming me. Mm. Uh, my prayers, my confessions, mm. uh, uh, you know, my fasting. I was doing all the, pulling all the religious levers, pushing all the religious buttons, but I wasn't changing in this area. I didn't know how to integrate. So I remember just a strong prompting to go to a therapist in my community where I lived in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And I was scared, Jeff, because he was a sexual trauma assessment treatment okay. therapist. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. holy scuba. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I go to that guy, that means I'm screwed up. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. And I felt like the Trinity said, yes, Rod, you're screwed up. Uh-huh. And But that led to just such a great journey of, of unlearning some things that weren't helpful about myself, about God, and about others. And relearning, um, reconstructing something that was, I think, much more healthier and just much more learning how to integrate my faith in my traumas as a kid and in my human sexuality. And so we went through Patrick Carnes' book, Out of the Shadows, Leading Sexual Addiction Therapist, and it just became uh, transformative over a three-year process of getting myself to unlearning. Mm. Of course, I wanted a quick fix, easy answer, mm-hmm. but it was the process of relationship. And my wife and I, we got some good support during all that, as of course, uh, she didn't know anything about it in the sense of a betrayal. And so that was just our journey. And then we came into church work and helped plant churches and be a part of this community here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho that we're a part of. And it was an amazing ride and just uh, learned a lot in that regard. But it was about um, a few years ago, ago, maybe eight, nine, I came across an organization called Pure Desire, Mm -hmm. and they do a great job of holistic approach to helping men and women heal with unwanted sexual behavior, um, whatever that may be. And they really do it from a holistic perspective, and they do it integrating um, the teachings of Christ with... uh, with some of the chemical, or not chemical, clinical studies about the brain and how the brain changes. And it just, it actually, for me, has put more confidence and faith in scripture, Mm. but I just see it differently, you know, about the neuroplasticity that the brain can change. And the the scriptures call that repentance, changing of your mind. But I can go on and on, but so that kind of led us in that trajectory of uh, moving away from our congregation locally here and joining this nonprofit as a board member and then feeling like I could, um, you know, call to help uh, the church, help people within the Christian faith from all denominations by being just a, a tribal elder, you know. Tribal elder is gray hair, no hair, or you color your hair once a month. Yeah. You're a tribal elder, you know? That's us now, yeah. right? Uh, going to churches, sharing my story of addiction for the next generation to say, hey, there's a way better way than we were handed. And uh, my wife and I wrote a book, How to Talk With Your Kids About Sex. And so that's our whole thing about just really helping Western evangelicalism own their negative sexual history, really make amends to those or to others, to themselves, and really learn how to integrate and see sexuality from a much healthier way and normalize a lot of things that just 
families and religions, parents just don't have any context of how to begin that communication or really just, we just live in such an overly sexed culture that um, I think our greatest need isn't sexuality or orgasm. Our greatest need is intimacy. Yeah, good. And uh, culture, you know, just gives a lot of message about that. So we're just trying to help click that forward. And I think if if the Western church can get get, uh, healthy in this arena, I think then, uh, you know, just makes the message way more credible. Yeah, that's good. Because it's integration, it's holistic. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that integration word. I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, and I, I don't want to bag yeah. on the, the history of the church too negatively or, or even our own childhoods and yeah. growing up and lack of sexual conversation. Because I, I didn't have it in had. my house. Right, right. I think who taught your dad or your granddad, you know, who taught your great-granddad to <laughs> your granddad? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the... the, the they did the best they could with, with what, what they, they had. Yeah, best they could, Jeff, with what they knew. That is that is so true and so right. So, and I think that's the same for us. If I'm being honest, just knowing, you know, my kids said to me, "Dad, we wish you would have had this book." He's re- they're referring to the book I wrote, sure. and I said, yeah. "Me too." <laughs> I wish somebody would have given me a framework to learn that, you know, just how to foster in, uh, emotional intimacy with you more, and realize how important that is in our development as humans. Uh, how to be more of a safe home to ask questions. Hmm. You know, our book is kind of, we, we, we've entitled it How to Talk With Your Kids About Sex, with your kids, not to, but with. And it's really how to talk with your kids about anything, how to be more safe and more open mm. and, and realizing that mistakes are just a part of our learning process, mm. you know. Yeah. And uh, they're about growing and not focusing on perfection, but growth and maturity and what does that look like. And so, you know, I think we all wish we would have had a, a little bit someone would have held our hand or given us a resource that would have been more helpful. And I just think in churches, it just creates more credibility uh, in the recovery movement, especially when I've seen people own their story. Yeah. And then, you know, Brene Brown has that great quote, if you deny your story, uh, it defines you. Yes. But when you own it, you can write a brave new ending. Yeah. So that's kind of what I felt like the Spirit was leading me toward is leave a local congregation that you've enjoyed and are loved and go to churches throughout the world and really help, you know, be a voice of saying, hey, in this arena, I think we've missed it. But maybe here's, here's a better way Christ is pointing us down. Right. And, uh, you know, giving people some information, not so much about in-time theology, yeah. <laughs> but how to integrate the way of God and what's most true about every human being. We're sexual beings from birth. And uh, male and female made in the image of God. And it's good. And then how do we learn how to steward that, manage that, understand that? And there's just a lot of questions around that in the world in which we live. And I think our silence is just horrific in that regard. So thinking through a lens, the the communitas lens, communion, community, and mission. Yeah. There's a big community element to this, right? Right. So I'll share a brief story of of when we planted uh, our church. We had a, a community of people. And... The thing we really wanted to promote and still do is living an integrated life, mm-hmm. truly authentic, with everything out on the table. Yeah. And it, it came to pass that one of the couples had some sexual sin. Sure. And when that came out on the table, they bailed. Oh, yeah. So so I, I'm I'm curious, is that is that a result? Is that is it shame? Is it pride? What, what do you think keeps people from getting to that authentic communal space it could be all of that and uh, you, you know even more but I think just what was so attractive as I began to look at and study who Jesus was was that he was safe for everybody especially the non-religious <laughs> yeah. they deemed him really safe you know 
And I, I love the quote by Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, Changes That Heal. Yeah. He says, you know, there's a difference between a judgmental church and a healthy AA group. Yes. In a judgmental church, it's culturally unacceptable to have a problem. They're going to call you a sinner. In a good AA group, if you act like you don't have a problem, they're going to say you're in denial. Yeah. One, you go and you look good and you get worse. And one, you go and you look worse, but you get better. Yeah. And he says... I know there are healthy churches and unhealthy AA groups, but sometimes because of a lack of grace and truth, some people have had to go elsewhere to kind of find healing. And I don't think it's a reflection of maybe the community that you started, but it could be about a, that couple's church history that they've had. Sure. To where if you got honest, you were ostracized or you were, you know, uh, pointed out rather than extended the hand of healing. Right. That's what I love about, again, how I see Jesus. He wasn't pointing an accusing finger. Yeah. He was saying, take my hand. I'm going to show you a better way. You know, the, the redemptiveness of all that. And so um, I think authenticity and the more we can have communities of authenticity, Jeff, that's what I've seen transform people. That's that above anything else. That's where I've seen people experience human transformation the most. Yeah. To be fully human who God made them. Yeah. And I think our humanity is actually good. <laughs> well, and, and to live out of our true selves. Absolutely. And, and what we see in our movement yeah. is that that is what people are desiring the yes. most. You know, yes, the, yes, and, yes. and I think the church has made a mistake of putting too much of an emphasis on doctrine or creed or a set of beliefs or and, sure. and really what people are after is interpersonal relationship. Yes. Right. It's empathy. You really care about me. You yeah. Know? And yeah. Uh, I really matter to you and uh, want to do life together. Right. And uh, so I think there is a big piece of that that's so real. And again, I think there's opportunities for gathering and teaching. Um, I've never been a big music guy anyway, but you know, uh, there's, yeah. that's that's a big thing these days within yeah. the Western church. Sure. But I do think we're all called up to, to authentic intimate, intimacy, into me you see. I think yeah. that's the best definition of intimacy I've ever heard. Yeah. And that if you know me and see me, will you still love and accept me? Right. And I think that's where the transformation kind of begins, is that we're all worthy of love. And I think that's the heart of the gospel, you know, that we're worthy of being loved yeah. and that uh, God loves us. And you can push through those fears. You can push through those uh, um, uh, cognitive distortions that kind of keep us trapped, you know, those lies, those limbic lies in our brains that we believe around traumas or whatever in life that have, you know, really just informed us and... And sometimes our religious experience, maybe growing up, if you were in a pretty legalistic church or a pretty holiness-based movement or strict, rigid, um, it just wasn't always safe. You know, the, 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 this TV evangelist that I, that I referred to earlier, yeah. it wasn't safe in, in, in the culture that he was in to be open and honest about that and begin to lead that way. That's right. The culture itself... It just wasn't safe to do that. So I don't condemn him one bit. Sure. I just kind of feel more compassion for him. Like, that's too bad. I think he, had, he was a genuine person that genuinely loved God and doing the best he could, but just it didn't seem safe to do that. And I think when I think about our kids and grandkids, they're not looking for those kind of gatherings. They're looking for authenticity. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to know are you smoking what you're selling. <laughs> As we'd say in California, right? Yeah, I'm curious. What do you think are some of the real... When... When we have to deny essences of ourselves, yeah. sexuality being a sure. big one, if right. you have to deny that or hide it, yeah. what, is, what does that do in an unhealthy way to, to, to relationship or marriages or, or our own essence of self? Well, I, I just don't think, you know, I think the first person you want to be true to is you, mm. you know, being able to look in the mirror and realize that you're worthy of the truth, you know. Mm. 
And I think that's so important. Uh, I have a grandson, Louie. Yeah. Louie and Lisa Bedio. I got more pictures than you got time. But he's six months now. And just, in, just to watch how his brain is developing from each month as he develops here and how he feels safe and how it's okay for him to be known and things that he's learning. And just as he makes mistakes or does something, you know, it's like learning to roll over. Yeah. That's just a part of the process. And I think that if you, if you can start at a younger age where we, we're in an environment where it's okay to be seen and still be loved, mm. it doesn't mean that we'll never hide anything or it doesn't mean that we'll never have problems. I'm not saying that. But I think it, it, it increases the opportunity to know that, you know, you can't be ugly if you're real only to those that don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, an old story from the uh, stick horse and uh, the uh, velveteen rabbit, right? Yeah. You yeah. can't be ugly if you're real only to those that don't know, right? Because right. real is, is the beauty of us, that we can show up and be real and authentic. Someone said, Rod, who's the best speaker you've ever heard? I always say, oh. The one that's genuinely being themselves yep. and shows up authentically. Yeah. And they're just appropriately authentic for the setting. Those are the best speakers I've heard. Sure. And some of them you'll never know their names. Yeah. But I'm just sure. saying, because it's it's attractive. And I think that's what you're what you're saying is attractive to people. I think that's what was attractive yeah. to the gospel, to those that really uh, were found by Christ. And Paul writes about all the things he used to be. No shame involved. Mm. This is I was this 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 mm. worst of sinners, mm -hmm. you know. But for the grace of God, what, it's beautiful. Why, why do you think we we have such a problem with shame when it comes to our sexuality? What and and how and then you can give us some yeah. quick tips on sure. what how to overcome that while, with parenting. Well, I just think sometimes that, uh, in my opinion, we just don't start integrating, normalizing our anatomy, for mm. instance, around the. The table. Mm -hmm. you know, I remember one time one of my five-year-olds, the stories that we write in the book, you know, when my son says he's five, Daddy, how come my penis gets hard? Yeah. <laughs> well, I couldn't ask my dad that when I was 16, let alone right. five. <laughs> yeah. Right? I didn't know, I didn't have the proper name for my anatomy. I didn't know that it was safe to actually use that word. No one had used that word around me hardly. You know, maybe a doctor or something. Yeah. He felt safe to ask his dad. Like, I was putting him to bed. He had Buzz Lightyear pajamas on. You know, we were doing our little evening yeah. rituals before you go to bed, you yeah. know. And he just popped the question to me. And I just said, well, that's how God made your body. And that happens to your dad, like every other man. And yeah. then, you know, I wasn't, like, preparing for this, you know. Sure. And then I just said, and it means you got to go pee in the morning when you wake up. You know, he said, <laughs> okay, Dad. But I think the more you can just normalize language, that it's okay. And when you hear nothing about it, and then your first exposure to human sexuality is in maybe just a, a loud and maybe even sometimes um, deviant or some kinds of uh, demeaning mm. way mm. where it's belittling or degrading to another human being mm. as in, you know, that's, I think that's the end part is that pornography has been a sex, big sex educator for a lot of culture, right. church or non-church culture. And so I just think that that's been the only source of kind of education of understanding and seeing. And I think it gives us a distorted sense to begin with. And, um, so I think sometimes then we just, because it's so taboo, it's what kind of creates that, that sense of uncertainty about it, you know? And I think home, mom and dad need to be the safe place where those conversations age appropriate happen. And I'm all for educating at a young age. I just think it's the parent's role, not necessarily the school system's role. Yeah. But I don't, I, we don't, as we write in our book, we don't blame uh, educators wanting to start younger of, of communicating age appropriate information. We just think that that, you know, the parent can't 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They can't give that role to someone else. Right. That's our responsibility. So who trains the parents? And I think that's really what we're trying to do in going to churches and faith communities and saying, here's a framework, here's 10 principles that you can use as a scaffolding, not to have one conversation when your kid is 13 for 100 minutes, right. <laughs> but 100 one-minute conversations all through their age and stage development. And I think that's what a lot of us didn't get. And so there were questions that were uncertain. We didn't know where to get that information growing up. And so religion just kind of doubled down on black and white and that's it, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And so it just didn't feel safe. And I think that's what kind of created a lot of that sense of shame. And, you know, um, at least that's just some of the learning that I've taken away. And so maybe we can make the path better for those coming behind us, at least in this, in this niche, you know, in this, in this arena, when it comes to talking about our painful experiences, our traumas, which we all have. So that's why I've been a big advocate for grief work that we've done in our church here in town. Yeah. Letting people have a safe place to process pain, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Many of our addictive behaviors are because we don't know how to process mm -hmm. and grief, trauma, pain, loss in our life. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is, food, religion, right. sex, uh, you know, drugs, shopping, whatever, yeah. whatever. Whatever addictive behavior we use to cope is because we don't really know how to process an addiction. We cope with this. In health, we learn how to process things, right? Uh, you asked me, how am I doing when I first got here today? It's so nice I could be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the authenticity of our relationships. And well, our family's kind of navigating this, right? right? And just not have to go into detail, but just say, you know, we've had easier days and show up and just be who you are. Yeah. I, I think those are the most healthy, refreshing relationships that I really, I'm just really drawn to more. And I find those to be the ones that are really transformative. And not that one group or one segment has it all together, but um, I think you just have to ask the question, is, is what you're following, is your, is your faith community, is your religion leading you to transformation? Mm, good. I think that's the question you have to ask. And if not, where would you just ask the divine to lead you toward? Yeah. Would you lead me toward transformation? whatever that is, you know, and um, because I just don't think Jesus came to start another religion called Christianity. Mm -hmm. I think he came to heal humanity mm -hmm. and everybody matters. And so it's that sense of just, you know, it's, oh my gosh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's Andrei Rublev's Trinity, you know, the, the Russian artist, right? Yeah. The, the three sitting at the table and, and there's a mirror stuck to the table where, the author was, you know, some believe the author was saying there, there's a dance, there's a relationship that we have that's so intimate and so authentic mm -hmm. and so real and so beautiful and so other-centered. And the mirror, when you looked at it, was with the invitation for you to sit there and participate in that kind of authenticity. Yep. And so the people that I've been around, that I've seen them living in that experience, um, Paul Young, who wrote The Shack, or some other people that I, for me have been really influential, Baxter Kruger or... I, that's what I just desire more of. How do I get there? Yeah. You know, whatever they have, they've been freed from shame mm -hmm. and they're living, uh, not striving, not trying to save the world, but yeah. just trying to participate in that love daily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it starts with just knowing that, looking in the mirror and saying, uh, you're worthy of being loved. Right on. You're, you're, you know, you're every human being worthy of being loved. Yeah. And you don't have it all together, we fully anticipate it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's good. Yeah. So, uh, Rodney, how do people get a hold of you or, or access to some of these materials? Sure. sure. You can go to Amazon. Uh, the book is there. Uh, Rodney and Tracy Wright, uh, How to Talk with Your Kids About Sex. You can go to our Pure Desire website, okay. uh, puredesire.org, 
and uh, they have a, about 30 different resources. That's one of them. Um, or if you're a listener today, you would say, man, I love God, but I'm struggling with some kind of unwanted sexual behavior. I'm misusing kind of this in a way that's not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. And you recognize it. Uh, there's groups for men and women, because uh, women struggle with that too as well. Sure. Uh, love, sex, relationship addiction. Or if you're a betrayed spouse, mm-hmm. there's support to walk through the grief process of that, and there's a, groups that help you. And uh, if we could ever come to a church or, or, or reach out to you, uh, my email, just rodney at puredesire.org. Uh, we'd love to help any faith community do a parent training and at least give you some context of, you know, whatever your values are, however you see it, here's a framework you can unload those values. Yeah. And I, I think the best one is just, uh, not the best one, but one that means the most to me is uh, chapter 10 in our book called Never Turn Away. Huh. And it's uh, when my daughter, Whitney, turned 16, I gave her a ring. Yeah. And it wasn't a promise ring. It was a value ring. Oh, good. Because the promise ring that I grew up in, I thought was counterproductive. And the heart was good trying to help people. But how they went about it, I thought was very, very devastating. Because sure. it was, it was uh, pretty legalistic and not Purity. very redemptive. Purity culture. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I gave her a ring that said, Whitney, this isn't a promise you make to us that you'll fill in the blank, right? Right. And man of sexuality, I'm like, because I don't have a ring that says, promise me you'll never lie, promise me you'll never cheat. I said, honey, you don't have enough fingers and I don't have enough rings. Yeah. <laughs> to make all these external promises of morality, right? Yeah. This is a ring that says, our promise to you is that your value will never change in our eyes, mm-hmm. regardless of the decisions you make in this life. Oh, some of them will have consequences, mm-hmm. you know, just like, just like all of us. But our love for you will never change. And when you look in this ring, we want you to make decisions based on your worth and value on the inside, Hmm. not about having to perform on the outside. And if we love you this much, then the scripture teaches us how much more. So that's the thing, Jeff, that I've been really wrestling with is that Jesus said, if you follow me, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Hmm. I haven't come to condemn, you know? And uh, if your religion or faith that you're following feels more condemning, you might want to begin to just evaluate that right. and say, yeah, and there's a difference between convicting and, and condemning, but I think the way of Jesus is much more about learning and growing and maturing and um, just keeping your heart open, you know, to where the divine would lead us to that source of love where we begin to live out of this other-centered, self-giving love, but starting with learning how to love ourselves. So that was a big part of my journey, yeah. that I was worthy of love and that I could love others well. And that I was worthy of value. You know, I always thought I was a wasted draft pick as a pastor. Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, the moral failure in his 20s. Yeah. But I realized, oh, I was born with moral issues. This disease called sin. Yeah. And I saw it more as a disease to be healed than a mistake to be punished. Right. And so I needed a great physician. And uh, that's, to me, the, the good news of the gospel, right? That's trying to heal us all. All of us, yeah. religious or non-religious, he's trying to heal us. So. And, and wouldn't that be such a great word? To, there are so many that we encounter, you as well, that, that are in this phase of kind of saying no to church and and deconstructing. Sure. Uh, sure. And, and some of that's really, really, really healthy. Yeah. Uh, and yet, if there were a message like that to be heard in a community yeah. that would love and accept like your ring to your yes. daughter, yes. in the midst yes. of that, well, now we can start to reimagine a hope for future right. instead right. of just saying everything's bad. and Totally. It's so black and white, you know. Yeah. I love a question that a kid said to his dad. Dad, do you think Jesus ever made mistakes? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the dad thought and said, 
That's a great question, son. What do you think? Which yeah. is always a good way to respond. Sure. At least yeah. he gives you 10 seconds to think about what you might say. Yeah. And the kid thought for a second, he's about six, and he said, well, daddy, if Jesus never made any mistakes, how do you learn anything? Ah. It's, it was just a brilliant response. Sure. Uh, yeah. Kind of. And so I, I guess I would propose maybe that maybe mistakes are part of our humanity and aren't innately evil. You know, maybe Jesus didn't say to his mom when he was two and a half, hey, don't worry about this potty training thing. I'm the son of God. Right. You'll never have to wipe my butt. <laughs> don't worry about it, mama. Or maybe the first table he made for his dad, you know. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe Joseph came up with that phrase, Jesus, we measure twice, cut once. That's that right. first table yeah. was awful. Yeah. You're, you suck as a carpenter. You know what I mean? But I could just think about it that wouldn't it be great if it was just safe to say, hey, this happened, and how can I learn and grow from it? Yeah. This was my experience. This is what I encountered. This hurt me from somebody else, or I did something that hurt myself, or, you know, just to be in that environment where it's, where it's about growth and it's about healing. And, um, and I just think that could, that could lead us to some real transformation. Yeah. Amen. Rod, thanks so much uh, for, yeah, for being welcome. here with me today and for having you. the conversation and the work that you're doing. And, uh, in our show notes, you'll see links to uh, ways that you can get in contact with Rod or Pure Desire um, and other resources that might be helpful for you along the journey. And we look forward to being with you again soon. Go in peace. I was thinking about this too, Jeff, if you want to just record a little piece. I love what Roar said because I kind of diverted. You know, Jeff, there's a quote you're talking about for those of us that find ourselves in a faith community where... Hmm. It doesn't seem to be moving us down transformation. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's original with him, but Richard Rohr said it, but I think he may have got it from someone else. But it's a, this concept of include but transcend. Mm. Um, you know, this is the faith community I got dropped in. This is the time of my, you know, this century, you know, the last century and, and my family. You don't get to choose a lot of that stuff. Right. So how do you not somehow take a position of arrogance like, oh, they don't know, now I know? Yes. But, but just stay humble with it because that's really the way of Jesus. Right. And be okay with curiosity and questions, um, not having to always be right and have that right answer for every biblical question or every concept out there in the world that you know the right way to do everything. Right. But just stay curious and humble. And... Um, you know, um, you can still grow and, and develop. You can transcend but include. And I think that's a beautiful thing that I've learned about. Um, how can I help? How can I turn and help the faith community I grew up in? Yes. How can I contribute to help some of them click forward where they don't have to walk away from faith or lose faith, but maybe just see it from a different perspective? You right. know, get a different get a different uh, view of that. Yeah. And and. Uh, like all of us, and every generation's had to do this, let go of what didn't work yep. and, and grab onto what was really there. Yeah, and I, it's, you know, my dad's 94, and, and I love that having these conversations. At least, you know, he's got dementia. Mm -hmm. His health is deteriorating. But I used to love it in the 80s. He'd say, Rod, if I could, I'd be on the front row when you would speak. Say, go get him, Rod. Tell him. Yeah. Because his generation, it wasn't safe to be vulnerable and open. Right. That John Wayne generation. Yeah. That, 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 that's not what they cut their teeth on. It was bigger, better, fake it till you make it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I think my dad was authentic in his faith and, uh, um, you know, made healthy decisions in the most part. But even just to say, hey, parenting's not easy or this isn't going well, that, that generation just never knew how to do it. So for those of us, I would say I'm in my mid-50s. Just it's okay to transcend, but, but don't, uh, you know, keep including those. That's right. And, and inviting them into the discussion. 
and uh, you know, offer things in humility. The people that do that are some of the teachers I like the best. Yeah, right. here's something to consider. Right. So anyway, just a few few thoughts on that. And, and help is out there too, yeah, you know, definitely. and and, uh, and it's a, it's actually a, a show of our strength and maturity when we seek it out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Healthy people seek help, and seek help. Seeking help is never a sign of our weakness. Right. It is a sign of our wisdom, for sure. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I really appreciate your your focus on transformation. I do think it's so critically important, and it, it's the vision of Communitas: yeah. transformed lives, right. transformed neighborhoods, transformed world. Yeah. And you have to worry about one person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just have to question, how am I doing today? Right. Where, God, where may, where may you be leading me to transform? In my health, in my mental health, in my physical health, in my, in my finances, in my friendships, in my trauma, sexuality. I mean, just fill in the blank, man. Yeah. Well, where would you invite me? I, you know, I took a nap today because I fell asleep. Right. And I just thought, my body was saying, you need this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No guilt. I hope it was a transformative nap <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I pray for many more yeah. of those for you, my brother. Well, Rod, thanks again for being here with us in the Communitas podcast. And uh, all the information that was shared today will be in the show notes. And we welcome your feedback if you want to do so in the comments section. Uh, this podcast is available on all the major streaming services. And if you've enjoyed it, please do pass it on and let your friends know. And we sure do look forward to being with you next time on the Communitas Podcast. Thank you.